to episode 174 of the Zaycom Podcast. It's your boy, Mrs. ECP from the A63, a.k.a. Mrs. Zaycom, a.k.a. Paul County's number one podcast. How you doing today, boys? It's been a long time, man. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not even a long time. It's been a week. I missed one episode. Um, In case you haven't, well, really, I haven't really been keeping up on the social medias. I'm going to be honest with you. And that is my bad. I have been live tweeting, so you know I'm alive. I live tweeted uh, during the NBA games the last few days. But uh, your boy has been sick. This ep- um, The current episode that you're listening to, this is being recorded Friday about 8 o'clock in the morning-ish. Um, this episode was originally going to be recorded on Tuesday night, but uh, your boy suffered a fat headache like to the point where like I could not see straight and honestly like legit I could not stare at my screen for more than maybe 5 seconds so recording the podcast was absolutely a no go um and it continued into Wednesday unfortunately couldn't um do anything on Wednesday yesterday I felt a little bit better and today I think I feel good enough to where I can finally record this podcast um, this is going to be a heavy upload day, by the way. I just want to get that out the way also. This is going to be a heavy upload day. On uh, the first episode, it's one positive thing from every NBA team. Second episode is one negative from NBA, every NBA team. We'll be um, given in great detail. And, of course, you know, to this uh, this Friday is... An episode of the Pog Pod. So, by all means, y'all are be getting a hell of a treat today, just to make up for the fact that I haven't recorded in a week. But for sure, y'all are going to get three episodes, even if it means I ain't do nothing for the rest of the day. You will get three episodes today. With that being said, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we have been live tweeting through the most of the games, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, last night, we uh, live-tweeted through two games. We live-tweeted the, the Rockets-Spurs game and the um, Nuggets-Blazers game, which quietly, one of the best fourth quarters I've seen from <laughs> uh, from, both, from both teams in the NBA uh, so far this season. Like, one of the more back-and-forth fourth quarters, especially in the last, like, five-ish minutes. God, it was, like, Bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket, and it was genuinely a high-paced game for the last five-ish minutes. Like for the most part, you know, like I said, a team will get a lead, and then they blow it, and then another team will get the lead, and they'll blow it. And but in the fourth quarter, it felt like a genuine contest of two of the best teams out west, basically dueling it out. So, like I said, we'll. The game, re- the game reviews won't go away. I also, I already hear that in the back of y'all's mind. We'll absolutely not be going through. Uh, sorry, we're not getting rid of the game reviews. Love doing breakdown the plays and all of that, break down certain moments of the games. But this is kind of like a compilation of me breaking down different things in the game, uh, in different games. And this list, this list was written out on Tuesday. Just want to point this out, also for the people. Um, listening to this, so if something doesn't hold up, like if something drastic happened on Wednesday and Thursday that completely changes this, by all means, I just want to let y'all know this list was written out on Tuesday, ready to re- record on Tuesday. 
And unfortunately, it was back due to, you know, unforeseen circumstances. So with that being said, we're already with five minutes into the show. Might as well get into the first one. Obviously, you know, we go in 2K order. And that's why it's just me being lazy. But first one I want to get into is the Philadelphia 76ers, which is a stark problem, if you ask me. Um, the role players have actually been good. This, this is a positive, by the way. Role players, they're better without their stars than they are with their stars. And I'll tell you why. Joel Embiid and James Harden, maybe with the exception of Luka Doncic, are probably the two most hero ball players in the NBA. Which, again, is not negative because, you know, James Harden won MVP off of hero ball and Joel Embiid is back-to-back in the MVP, or back-to-back uh, runner-up in the MVP voting the last two seasons. So by all means, the way them playing the way that they play is great regular season basketball. Right up until you run up against some of the best teams in the NBA, i.e. the playoffs. And again, I want to preference this by saying Joel Embiid was he he would for the most part when healthy be a top five guy in my MVP voting. That's just a fact. He is a legitimate number one. I th- I think can be a number one in the championship team. And again, I will not say he's bad. Like he ha- he's still having one hell of a season. You know, although limited due to being injured. My man's is still averaging like 30 a game. Like, that's, that's not anything to snuff at whatsoever. But when it comes down to playoff time and he's being guarded just by a look at, like, I'm going to just look at standings real quick. I believe in the East, the top three are with Boston, Milwaukee, and I believe Atlanta? Cleveland. Atlanta's a fifth. All right. So just. Here, come playoff time, you would assume when healthy, I know not everybody's healthy at the playoffs, but just on paper, Robert Williams and Al Horford in Boston, Giannis and Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen in Cleveland, in Brooklyn he might give up. Uh, well, currently Philly's the eighth seed, so they'd be playing Boston. Anyways, Atlanta, Click Capella, Indiana, Miles Turner, Toronto, we saw, um, granted, you know, he, he still had a really good series against Toronto, but we see that Toronto can give Philly hell in the playoffs. We just watched it towards seven months ago. And even then, it, towards the, like, bottom in the 9, 10, 11 spot in New York, two of them are probably the more underrated defensive bigs in the league, and Mitchell Robinson and, and Zay Hartenstein. Miami, Bam Adebayo. And Washington, an improved Chris Stapp's poison is. This is what his, his competition is. And, again, it's going to catch up to him eventually. And James Harden's not, like, James Harden can, is not going to escape this, too, because, you know, he absolutely deserves a lot of the blame for what happened in Houston, offensively and defensively, because he made Jalen Brown, uh, Jalen Brown, Jalen Green looked like prime Kobe out there. And, which, no, he said, Jalen Green's nothing to snuff at because he's also a really good young talent. 
But let's not act like James Harden wasn't getting cooked by literally everybody. Mans was getting cooked by Eric Gordon out there, which, you know, no offense to Eric Gordon, but Eric Gordon necessarily ain't Hornets, Eric, Hornets or Pelicans Eric Gordon anymore. Still solid, but not he's not what you would expect out of current version of Eric Gordon these days. So what is this? They were this was a this should have been a wake up game for the 76. I believe this that was their most recent game. So this should be a wake up call for them. Because I'm just saying when it was uh Shake Milton and uh Daniel House and Paul Reed, when it was those boys out there, they looked like one of the best teams in basketball all of a sudden. They look like, oh, De'Anthony Melton, most improved player? Tobias Harris was the number one option. All of a sudden, like, they were, like, dominating teams. And I'm like, where did this 76 team come from? And now, all of a sudden, um, Harden comes back, and B comes back, and they're here losing to the Rockets, who are, like, one of the worst teams in basketball? What? Where they do that at? Like, like what? Why? All of a sudden, is the stars like the reason that they're losing? It's because it is way too much hero ball. And again, this could be summed up by a lot of things. A. James Harden is not the ISO guy he was five years ago, which I've made this exact same argument for Isaiah Thomas, who is currently not in the league, and people laughed at me. It's a fr- I'm like I'm not afraid to say that James Harden has lost a step. That's me being honest. I don't I don't think anybody should. This is if you were saying that this is a James is James Harden in Houston, you are sadly mistaken. James Harden in Houston was getting by people. Billy James Harden couldn't get by Eric Gordon. He couldn't get by Jalen Green. He couldn't get by um Garrison Matthews. Deshaun Nix. He wasn't getting by those guys. It was this. It was step back, uh, step back three. James Harden, but it wasn't James Harden that was getting to the basket and and uh, and getting in ones. This was. I'm gonna chuck up something as close to a jump shot as possible, James Harden, and this is honestly this. This sours a lot of what I thought of this team in the offseason. I, I said this team was a backup center away from being a championship contender. Because I I fell into the notion of oh, James Harden probably just playing through the hamstring injury, which he was, admittedly. He, he was playing through the hamstring injury. But now that he's had six months to recover and is still slow, it's something bigger than that. And I don't know if I don't know how many of a, oh, they just need this to be a contender, or they need this to be a contender, or they need this to be a better team. I don't know how many of those are left. They got everything. They got guys that can create their own shot. They got a big man, probably the most, best big man in basketball so far this season, except for maybe Anthony Davis. And Giannis is there, too. Top three, at bare minimum, top three. You, you can't argue that Joel Embiid, when healthy, has been a top three big man this season. They got... Uh, secondary score in James Harden. 
They got tertiary score in Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. I know that Tyrese Maxey is not back yet, but Tobias Harris is there. Tobias Harris actually had a really good game with the Houston Rockets. But they got a solid bench now. Shake Milton, I love. Um, DeAnthony Melton off the bench, I really love. Paul Reed, I think, has been a pretty exceptional piece so far this season. This man tweeting that he would have been an all-star this season is kind of wild, but he's still been solid nonetheless. Uh, for Concord mods and stretches has been okay. George uh, Niang has had a couple games this season where he's uh, been on fire. I think he had a game uh had was like what, seven threes. Um, like this team is well rounded. They got a, albeit um almost laughably, um laughably old, but uh somewhat of an experienced head coach in Doc Rivers. I wouldn't necessarily say proven because his one championship was fifteen years ago. But still a proven commodity when it comes to being at least a great regular season coach. The 76ers aren't even playing like a great regular season team now. And I'm supposed to take them serious come playoff time. But nonetheless, that might be a spoiler for the one negative about every NBA team episode. Um, For the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, every game that hasn't featured Chris Middleton this season, basically, has been a great game for the Milwaukee Bucks. Because when Chris Middleton was out, it was a more free-flowing team. And I'm not saying that Chris Middleton slows his team down, because obviously he doesn't. They won a championship with him as the number two guy, and they're well on pace to another one. But I'm the Dead Lakers game says a little bit. And I'm talking about more on the defensive side than on the offensive side. I think Chris Middleton may have taken a step back on defense, which, to be fair, Chris Middleton's with 32-33, so, like, that's kind of expected. I, I don't know how much I can trust this, this Chris Middleton being. Like, I don't know where you exactly you get an upgrade from Chris Middleton, to be fair, but... Again, I'm overreacting to two games. I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I'm just going by the two games that I've seen. Chris Middleton, admittedly, in the Kings game was not bad. I will say that Chris Middleton in the Kings game, but but in the Lakers game, to me, he looked a step slow. Which again, he was his first game back. You know, you're supposed to look a step slow. I hope, I hope that Chris Middleton didn't take um, any supplements to where he's playing like an elite level guy in his first game back. But the non-Chris Middleton games have been. To be fair, I'm grasping at straws. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm grasping at straws. The Bucks have been the second best team in the NBA. So, like, why would they, why would they be bad right now? But, like I said, just in the, the grand scheme of the games, I think Chris Middleton, he'll work his way back. But so far, the first two games, he just hasn't looked like the Chris Middleton that I loved about six, minutes, uh, six months ago. <laughs> um, next, the Chicago Bulls. Um, I would assume, new, you know, like I said, when he's been in the lineup, I would assume new has been a revelation as a young point guard. They're, like I said, the Chicago Bulls are like one of the worst teams in the Eastern Conference, so it's like, again, grasping at straws to find a good thing about this team. But for the most part, they are, Io Desumnu has been a revelation. Because again, they kind of need that third guy next to DeMar and, and Zach. And I thought it would be a rejuvenated Nikola Vucevic this season. Um, Vuce hasn't been bad, but for the most part, he hasn't, he's been inconsistent. That's the way I'll put it. 
he's been inconsistent. But I would assume it has been a pretty steady hand at the point guard position. I know now that he's kind of been regulated to the bench, it's kind of on a lesser scale. But as of, um, was it maybe a few weeks ago, he was still a starter on this team. So, like, I don't, I don't, or I wouldn't say a few, like a few games ago, I should say, was a starter on this team. So I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back into the starting lineup once, you know, like his confidence does start to rise. Because looking at him uh, objectively is probably in this in this division, young point guards are are they, it's tight net because you got Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell as a backcourt, and you got um, Kay Cunningham, Jay Ivey, and a rejuvenated Killian Hayes, which we'll get to later on in Detroit. Um, Milwaukee not necessarily a young point guard team, but. Drew Holiday and Javon Carter have been a steady a two a two uh, a two man duo that is a force to be reckoned with in that in that division. And um, Indiana with Tyrese Ma- uh, Tyrese Halliburton has been you know a revelation at the point guard position for the Pacers, which again we'll get to later. Um, but in Chicago or sorry yeah in Chicago, um, I would assume though they got their they got a project there. Which again, I think, will he be the guy long term? That's that remains to be seen. But as of right now, I think he's more of more than a compliment to um Zach and Demar on the perimeter. But the Cleveland Cavaliers, holy shit, the bench mob has been amazing so far this year. Like I will say, Donovan Mitchell taking that superstar leap was an absolute positive. Don't get it twisted. And yes, I do think he took the superstar leap this year. But the bench, I think Cleveland quietly has the best bench in basketball. When you look at it, Kevin Love, Jetty Osmond, um, Raul Neto, sorry, um, Dean Wade at times, like Robin Lopez, um, Zay Mobley. Like they've had a very, very good bench so far this year. And it's like, I'm not totally, and again, like I said, you know, we're still grasping at straws, because like I said, it's the what, it's fourth, a third maybe, into the season, but I'm still loving this bench. And now that Karis LeVert potentially is full-time off the bench now, um, I forgot to mention Isaac Cora on that bench too. Isaac Cora has been a good... Although he's not taking an offensive leap that I kind of wanted him to to be that starting three, I think you know defensively he's always going to be there. But still, like I love this the the bench in Cleveland. And again, Don, like I said, Donovan Mitchell taking that superstar leap was absolutely a a step in the right direction with him. But I do love the bench in Cleveland. This this bench in Cleveland, and hopefully when Ricky Rubio comes back, it's the same way. I'm I'm confident that it is, but I do hope that Ricky Rubio does come back eventually and make this bench even better than what it was originally. Next, there's a lot to be positive about in Boston. To be fair, there is a lot to be positive. But we'll start off with them being like potentially the greatest three point shooting team of all time. Like they're what. 42-ish percent from three so far this year. 
And the vast majority of those are wide open, created by Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, some Marcus Smart, driving, driving kicks, basically. Like, and they're getting them from everybody. Uh, the two men, three men I just mentioned, uh, Horford shooting leg- a great three-point uh, percentage. Sam Hauser has been a, a great uh, revelation for them off the bench. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, Luke Cornette even as a, at, at the five position, getting his threes, Peyton Pritchard at times. Like, everybody on the Celtics is a great three-point shooter. Everybody on the Celtics is a great defensive player. I said in the offseason that I wouldn't be surprised if this team in, uh, walks out of June as champions because the team that went to the finals, they added a piece. They didn't really lose anybody in the offseason, you know, end of the bench guys, but they replaced them with guys like Sam Hauser, who've been, who's, again, it's been really good for them, surprisingly. Um, Noah Vonley, even although he's not been good, he's <laughs> he's there. Um <laughs> But anyways, um, and again, this is a team that doesn't even have Robert Williams back. So it's like I'm not even like I'm not sweating this team come playoff time. That they will be a top two, three season Eastern Conference at bare minimum. I honestly think they'll they'll play for the top spot. But it's gonna be gonna be interesting how they play um matchup wise. In the because again, they're going to be playing again if the playoffs started today, which I know they don't start for another five months. But playoffs started today, they'd be playing Philly in the first round, and I wouldn't be surprised if they ran double bait with Joel with Joel and beat out there. Basically, what they did in or what Philly did in the inverse, or I guess Boston more did it to Philly too, but Philly kind of did in the inverse when they had Al Horford and Joel and beat, or when in the previous Boston era where it was. Al Horford and Daniel Tice in there, um, running double big. So it's like Philly has, or so Boston can match up any with basically any team in the East because they they have that man Jason Tatum out there. Which again, is it bold for me to say uh, Tatum is top five for real, for real? Like I know it's a meme, but is is it is it too early? Because I know Giannis is still out there. Jokic is a two time MVP. LeBron is LeBron. You can't really, you can't really, you, you can't, you can't disrespect LeBron. KD is still averaging with 30. We just mentioned Joel Embiid. Like, it, it's difficult for me to put Tatum top five, but that conversation eventually has to be had. Next, for the Clippers, I put three dots. I can't find, and again, for a team that's not terrible. Like, they're still what top, I think they were eight, I think, at this point, eight or nine. Still, a, like, somewhat above 500 team. But there is not one redeeming quality from this team at all. So, I mean, Tyron Luce still being one of the best coaches in basketball. Yeah, that is a redeeming quality. But it's also a quality that, like, we've touched on a lot on this podcast. Like, there's not one genuinely redeeming. And, again, it's crazy. I can find a redeeming quality from the Houston Rockets and the Detroit Pistons and the Orlando Magic. Um, but the Clippers, there's not one redeeming quality on this team. Their two best guys have not played. 
Um, they just came off of back-to-back losses in Florida and almost lost to the Charlotte Hornets, by the way. They needed a Kawhi Leonard game winner from that. Um, there's not one redeeming quality. And again, Avisa Zubak being, like, God on this team? Like, yeah, I, I don't mind it. But even then, he's putting... He, I'm not saying he's, a, he's not putting up flashy numbers. And honestly, he's not a flashy player. I like him personally because I'm not usually... I'm not the type of guy that's into the flash and the glamour of players. I like... The, I like... I'm a, this is a, the Role Player Podcast. Honestly, I might change my Twitter name to that. This is the Role Player Podcast. I'm not even joking. Like, I love Avisa Zubak, but... The Clippers have zero redeeming qualities to them. At, at this rate, there's zero All-Stars on this team. There's is, as deep as this team is, and again, I'm on record for saying this is the deepest team in basketball. I I forgot what game I was watching, but they said they were the, oh, it's the Pelicans. They said some um the Pelicans announced said the Pelicans were the deepest team in basketball, and I kind of had some, uh, a little bit of a laugh. I'm not gonna lie. But um, but again, there's zero redeeming qualities about this team. This is it, and again, this is all right. As of me recording, they're 14 and 13. This team is above 500, and I can't find you one positive from this team. That's like besides the obvious of um of Ty Lue being one of the best coaches in basketball. He is he is a miracle worker because I think only almost any other coach except for maybe. Maybe Greg Popovich could be a saving grace on this team. I'm just like there is nothing you can take away from this team that's good, and they're a play a a play in team currently. They're a team that's been pegged to be a playoff team based on their depth alone, and then you add two superstar or. A superstar in at this point probably two stars, two stars on this team, and they're just as bad. Anyways, Memphis Grizzlies, kind of what I mentioned with the Clippers, but in a less sarcastic way, the depth on this team has been astonishing. Like to me, I thought this Grizzlies team was going to be worse because they lost. A key, key piece in Kyle Anderson. Well, everybody just stepped their game up in the loss of Kyle Anderson and Jaron Jackson Jr. at the beginning of the year, or I guess on in the offseason. And John Morant now, Desmond Bain, who's out two to three more weeks. Um, Dylan Brooks and Zaire Williams and Steven Adams. Everybody on this team has been injured, basically, is what I'm telling you. And they're still the second best team in the West as of this recording. Just got off the back of a John Morant triple double. Before that, it was Tyus Jones being the king of the assist to turnover ratio, with I believe it was 28 points, 10 assists, and one turnover. This team is ridiculous, bro. Like, there's genuinely. And again, this is why, again, I had to have this conversation with people. This is why I was not upset when Kenneth Lofton did not make the team. Kenneth Lofton Jr. did not make this team. People were upset. I was like, why isn't the Grizzlies, why, why isn't he getting play, playing time on the Grizzlies? Because the Grizzlies have legitimately 
15 people on this roster, 17 if you include the two-way guys, that can actually get playing time and be uh, have a positive impact. In the game with John Moran having a triple-double, Santi Aldama had really good minutes. Brandon Clark had really good minutes. Um, Steven Adams in limited time, really, really good minutes. Tyus Jones, as always, will have really good minutes. Zaire Williams finally back. He's playing really uh, – he had a solid game overall. And the overall camaraderie around this team is second to none. Even like Xavier Tillman, I think sh- who I think should be getting play on the playing t- time on this team because I think in spot minutes, I think could be a real good energy guy for them. Um, unfortunately, can't touch the floor because he's like this team is so stacked. That's why I'm like I said, I'm not crazy upset that Kenneth Lofton is still stuck in a G League. Granted, I think you know another team could use him, but like I'm not too. Hot over the fact that, oh, you know, my, he's not my favorite player. Ken Lofton Jr. is not getting playing time. Yeah, like by all means, like I said, if you if, if another team picks him up, sure, you know, go play. If you know, what team is inept at, at, in that the four or five position? Likely the four. I think he'll be a four long term. But um, like Denver, if a team like Denver picked him up, because I think Jamichael Green might be the backup power forward over there. Which I love Jermichael Green, but God, please get younger. Um, like I wouldn't be upset at that, but again, he's not going to get playing time on the Grizzlies. That's just straight up, especially in the front court. God, they're just ridiculously stacked in the front court. Um, Adams, Clark, Jackson, uh, Tillman, Aldama. Um, I guess Roddy is more of a wing. Um, Jake Laveria can play um, any position, uh, two, three, or four. Like they are stacked at the at the front court spot. So I'm not expecting that Kenny Lofton to get PT. But like I said, just anywhere would be would be sufficient for me. Anyways, um, Atlanta Hawks. Um, AJ Griffin actually being a pretty well, uh, like a pretty efficient contributor to the Atlanta Hawks. So far this season, like there again, nothing too crazy has been going on in Atlanta for the first, you know, like I said, quarter of the season. But a very well welcome surprise for the Atlanta Hawks has been the um, emergence of their rookie. Um, gotta keep pointing that out, rookie AJ Griffin. And again, a lot of that has to do with like you know, not a ton of crazy depth at the wing spot for them because and you know losing DeAndre Hunter, um, no. Collins for the long term, so like, and they just lost the Dejounte Murray, so they're gonna need guys to step up, like a Bogdan Bogdanovich, like Justin Holiday, uh, maybe Jared Culver might get some uh some tick nowadays, but AJ Griffin is also be going to be somebody that they look at heavy, because somebody's got to knock down those shots <laughs> that uh Trey Young in Trey Young position, and it can't just be a Clint Capella alley oop show. Because again, that's not going to get them in a, a crazy spot in Eastern Conference these days. I'm just saying. Um, but for real, um, they're, they're, again, the Atlanta Hawks are going to need um, somebody to step up. And AJ Griffin so far, offensively and surprisingly on the defensive side of the ball, honestly, more surprising than offense, but has been a thorough contributor. Again, for the, like I said, 16 pick isn't bad, but like the game against Denver. It that game was, it was close off the back of him, essentially. Like that was, that that game, 
the reason they even won that game was due to the back of AJ Griffin. And again, I, I want to preface by saying yes, the Atlanta Hawks. Surprisingly, that game they played way better. I wouldn't even say way, but surprisingly, because you know they, they it wasn't the Trey Young show, like you said, because that's basically what it's been for the last four or five years at this point has been the Trey Young show. And glad that like this year they get to show that oh yeah, like I said, we could be a good basketball team led by Dejounte Murray, and that's what that game essentially was. Was yes, this we're a very much competent basketball team without our best player, and now. Like I said, this um, <laughs> current situation with Trey Young and uh, and Nate McMillan, hopefully it's smoothed out. Like nobody really knows what happened. Like, and that's the crazy part. Like nobody really knows what happened. I don't either, so I'm not a source here by any means. But like, it kind of just it, it went about the way. Like he had the 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 little interview where he kind of. Many snapped at the reporter, which I don't blame him. Like, why the hell are you asking me? Like, why why would I expose that information now in this m- minute, let's be honest, unimportant interview? Like, like that's so <laughs> that's so backwards. Like that 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 was a dumb a dumb report, a dumb question. But um, seriously, like why like why? Um, but like I said. Overall, AJ Griffin, I think, has been a one one hell of a piece for the Atlanta Hawks. But um, yeah, that was a very yeah interesting couple of days for the Atlanta Hawks. Anyways, next for the Miami Heat, the biggest positive for the Miami Heat is that they are not at the bottom of the East. <laughs> no, obviously, like they are not terrible. Like they're better than the Bulls. They're better than the Wizards. And honestly, like you know. St- on paper, they're better than like the Knicks. I'd say they're probably better than the Raptors. They are a much better team than their record, but the overall detail of the Biden Heat, I'm genuinely not surprised that this team is not at the bottom of the East. Like in in Detroit, Orlando, Charlotte territory. I've I'm. Is Eric Spolster needs coach of the year this year, respectfully? Because, I mean, like, again, they had a couple of games and they were, God, they looked absolutely shit. But them not being like 8 and 20 right now is a God given miracle at this point. Like, the vast majority, like guys, at I think at one point where they were playing seven people, Udonis Haslam was getting real minutes on the Miami Heat at one point. Yes, it was that bad. They were he was getting real minutes on the Miami Heat. Now they're somewhat back to I wouldn't even say somewhat back to um, being healthy because Drew Smith got to start last night. They won and he wasn't bad. Like he didn't put up numbers, but he didn't look he like he didn't look out of place in the system. Um. But this team looked to be bleak at one point. Like, if I can picture on the top of my head, the starting lineup for Miami at one point was Kyle Lowry. Um, I believe it was Duncan. Was it Duncan Robinson? Um, Haywood Highsmith was starting. I believe they had uh, Omer Yurtsevin. I gotta think. I I, I legit gotta go back and watch. But like. I think at one point they were running like seven people. 
at one. Like it it was bad, bro. Like it was genuinely bad. Like including G League, they were running like seventy. I gotta find like I believe it was against Washington. Uh, I believe it was against Washington that it happened again. Like don't don't quote me on that, but I believe it was Washington. Like I'm as I'm like I said, I'm doing research right now. Um it was okay. The starting line for Miami against the Washington Wizards. Yeah, so it was seven people. Um, Kyle Lowry, Max Drews, my bad, that was what I thought Dr. Robinson was. Um, Max Drews, Caleb, uh, Haywood Highsmith, Caleb Martin, Nikola Jovic. Um, and the bench was Orlando Robinson and uh, Jamal King. By the way, that team almost beat the Washington Wizards. Um, it was bleak at one point, bro. It was It was looking mighty bleak. And I'm glad... Like I said, they got they were able to the bounce back. They got a few wins. They got a good win last night against the Clippers. But overall, like I said, this this Heat team twelve and fourteen is a miracle right now because realistically, like in the game against uh, Boston, that was more of a Boston uh, fuck up than Miami Heat comeback. Um, they beat the Wizards twice in um in two days. Um, post. You know, basically, when they once they got a few people back, beat the Wizards, um, beat Charlotte, who's not really good. They got a quality win against the Suns, also like before all of that went down. But like I said, overall, like twelve and fourteen is a fucking miracle for them. Um, next, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, one positive is that Victor Wembanyama will, will be. Um, and they're psyched in the next seven months because this team is god awful. Like again, there is zero redeeming qualities. Actually, it is so bad that again, shout out to my boy Lucas on Twitter. Shout out to uh, Lucas Burns on Twitter. He posted a graphic. I want to say about a few days ago. Um, ranking every team's best um on all point differential. Which, to be fair. You know, it's a pretty minute stat. And again, we're, you know, maybe basically a quarter into the season. Dennis Smith Jr. is the most efficient or the most consistent player in the Charlotte Hornets. Dennis Smith Jr. is a plus uh, 13.6, which, um, just doing a quick, that's about middle of the pack in the NBA, which, to be fair, is higher than guys like Devin Booker, um, Paul George. Um, it's Trey Young, Anthony Davis, like it's higher than pr- some pretty quality pieces in the NBA. Joel Embiid, um, yes, like I said, that's like a, not a, not too bad of a stat. But again, that proves that basically Dennis Smith Jr. has been the best player in the Charlotte Hornets this season, which in a vacuum is god off. You can't seriously tell me that the Charlotte Hornets, oh. Uh, once you know, once Lamelo comes back, or once Gordon Hayward comes back, which is like two months from now, um, once Gordon Hayward comes back, like this, this team will compete again. Guess what? When Gordon Hayward comes back, it'll be February. Pretty sure the Charlotte Hornets, at their current state, basically on they would be on pace to, I believe, a fourteen and thirty eight record at the All Star break. I'm just going to let you know now, teams that start 14 and 38 don't compete for a playoff spot in April. I just want to let you know this now. 
like the Miami Heat are in 20, was it 17, 2018, 2017, um, are the one exception where they started off um, 11 and 30 and finished 30 and 11, which brought them to a 500 record, which, spoiler alert, they still were not a playoff team. Drafted Bam out of bio in the lottery. So, Charlotte Hornets will not be a playoff team this year. So, I'm going to give you that note now. And they're, I don't think they're bad enough to try to even like remotely come close to a top five pick or to, or to a top three pick, which top three pick means not top one pick, which top one pick means no Victor Wambanyama. So, the Charlotte Hornets. Rebuild will consist of LaMelo Ball, AEB PJ Washington, and Asar Thompson. I'm going to let you know now, that is not a championship young core, in my opinion. No offense to Asar Thompson. He's only 18 years old. It's no hate, obviously. No hate. We, we try to push positivity on the show. And we positively, positivity and constructive criticism. But I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. The Charlotte Hornets are terrible. Next, Utah Jazz. Um, again, like I said, not a, a the beginning of it was fun. They're still an okay team, still above five hundred. But the the beginning of this this uh, do you want to call it a stretch? The beginning of the season, they were. It, they were the Cinderella team. Now we're again we're twenty. I think they're fifteen and twelve at this point. Um, about twenty seven ish games. So again, closer to like a third of the season in. And they have not. They they're still like I said. They're still competing. They got a great comeback win against the Warriors, which more was like a, a war. The Warriors blew in that game because, oh my God, that last thirty. I don't even know what they were doing the last thirty seconds. To be honest with you, like. And again, I even lied to it. I'm like, God, Clay Thompson needs to stop shooting the basketball. Like, I understand, you know, there's no Steph, no Wiggins, no Draymond. Somebody had to shoot. Clay Thompson did not need to be the guy in the fourth quarter. That, that in the fourth quarter, 100% should have been ran through Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga. Because those were the, the two guys on the Warriors that were, that really had it going in the second half. For the Utah Jazz, that was a great comeback win. Overall, they've been pretty mid the last 10-ish games. But I'm happy that they're at least getting something out of this. Because whether they win or lose, they have assets per day. If they win, cool. They're a playoff team with all of these first-round picks. And if they lose, well, they can keep tanking. Probably get a first round pick for uh um I don't even say will they even trade Larkin Markin at this point? I think Larry Markin is pretty safe in Utah. Um guys like Jordan Clarkson. Mate, if if this is the Lakers deal and you're getting twenty seven and twenty nine, um for what Clarkson, I imagine Kelly, maybe Mike Conley's involved. But if you're getting those guys. Oh baby, the Lakers look, or sorry, well, the Lakers look good too, but the Jazz look set for the future. 
Because guess what? Jordan Clarkson is going to help the Lakers. Um, I guess you could say the same thing about um, Kelly Olenek and Mike Conley, but none of those guys will be on the roster in 2027. You just low-key finesse the Lakers into a top and to get the, that tough off pick. That's the reason why Russell Westbrook is still a Lakers, basically, is because they don't want to protect those. Sorry, teams don't want the Lakers to protect those picks. That's a fun fact, by the way, that you you might want to know. Um, but on a dead ass note, um, like I said, the Jazz, I think, have been they're still a good team. Um, like I said, I still like them as when fully healthy. I, when we're fully healthy, I still believe that this team has enough to at least compete for a play in spot. Like. Again, I was completely wrong. I thought these dudes was going to phone it in and come deadline, everybody's getting shipped for two second-round picks and salary fill. But, no, these dudes are genuine about competing. And all props to them. I'm glad that they're getting at least some sort of um, something out of this season and not just them phoning it in and, you know, just not, not anywhere uh, near the competition that they expect to be. Next, the Sacramento Kings. The eight games that <laughs> the beam was lit up. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, like the Kings actually being a competent basketball team this year was not on my uh not in my card. I thought they'd be better and I thought that they would at least compete for a play in spot. But like these dudes are again above five hundred. And again, last five ish games, yeah, losing to Milwaukee, but everybody losing to Milwaukee. Beating Chicago destroying the Clippers and getting a let, uh, light the beam chant in Los Angeles. That's something. Um, beating the Pacers and having a barn burner with the Phoenix Suns. That is a very good five-game stretch for them, especially long-term. Next, with the New York Knicks. Um, I had a couple of things for the New York Knicks. I'm not gonna lie, but one thing that's very much stood out to me, and this is a weird thing come from a, a Tom Thibodeau coach team, but like they're getting a contribution from an entire host of guys, which you could say from a lot of teams, but coming from a team coached by Tom Thibodeau, who you know is almost infamous at this point for running his starters into the ground and having a lack of depth to cover for that. Well, this season, it has not, sorry, this season has not nearly been the same case. Um, as shown with a couple of wins, most recently against the Atlanta Hawks, guys like Deuce McBride and Manuel Quickly. Um, we mentioned Zay Hartenstein earlier, Obi Toppin, although he's now injured. Um at the beginning of the season, it was like Derrick Rose and Jericho Sims were getting run. And it was like the, the Knicks bench, even with uh, Quentin Grimes was in there, like they've had a host of guys that have stepped up into the role. Cam Reddish, like stepped up um, coming off the bench that have been like that done wonders to help the fact that, you know, guys like Julius Randle, who's had who's having a step back season this year after just a horrendous 2021, uh, 2021-22 season. Um, Jalen Brunson hasn't necessarily been the most consistent guy in the New York Knicks rotation, but when he's in there, he's been really good. Um, like, when he's been on, he's been on. 
Um, we mentioned the two center rotation already a couple of times with Mitchell Robinson and Zay Hartenstein. I think genuinely is the two is the best two center rotation in the NBA. Um, and you'll be hard pressed to find a team that can even maybe the Atlanta Hawks, but even then, I think the New York Knicks are much more. And when I say center, I mean traditional center. I mean like. Yeah, you can kind of say like the Grizzlies with um, Adams and Clark, but I don't see Brandon Clark as a traditional center. So maybe that might uh, skew my um, logic or my argument a little bit. But overall, I think probably the the best, maybe the Pelicans, honestly. The Pelicans have a good two-center rotation too. But even then, Larry Nance Jr. I don't see as a traditional center. But anyways, um, back to the original argument. Um, the New York Knicks, like I said, the Knicks' depth in um, – and overall, like getting a surprise performance out of a few people this year, like Quentin Grimes has had 23, but Emmanuel Quickly has had like a couple of 20 point games this year. Um, Zay Hartenstein has been a guy that has gotten them to wins this year. Um, Deuce McBride's had stretches where he's been like one of the guys for them this year. And it's like they're Cam Reddish has had a, a couple of 20 point games this year. Like they've had all kinds of performances come from a whole host of guys, and that's kind of what's going to. Um, carry them towards the second half of the year um, is their depth. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, like I said, it's from, again, from a Tom Thibodeau team, this is rare that they actually get um, contributions from the bench because, you know, you know, you're so used to the Chicago Bulls Tom Thibodeau where D. Rose and Joe Kim Noah is playing 40 minutes and kind of shorten their careers a little bit or at least shorten their primes a little bit. Um, same thing with the Temple Wars, where it's like Cat and Wiggins were playing forty minutes, and Jimmy Butler was playing forty minutes, which ended up ended in him getting injured. Um, but now that you, like with the Knicks, at least for the first few years, uh, the first year honestly was a tra- uh, a train wreck. I'm gonna be honest, but in the last what, three seasons that he's been there, it's been relatively uh, a pretty down to earth year for or pretty down to earth like. Like rotation with uh with Tom Thibodeau, and that's that's rare to really see, um, come from his his uh organization, at least you know based on his track record. Next for the Los Angeles Lakers, goddamn, are they happy to have a healthy Anthony Davis back? Because obviously in the first ten to fifteen games it was looking mighty mighty bleak. I won't lie, it was looking very bleak. But now. Bleak is coming is coming up a lot in this. Like I said, we need a vocabulary. It's been very uh it was a treacherous start to the season to be fair. But in the last ten ish, um, ten to fifteen games, Anthony Davis has been one hell of a run. And it's a damn shame that uh an illness take took uh took away from the momentum and since then the Lakers have lost to uh back to back. Um but overall, like before that, Anthony Davis, I think, was well on his way to. It, again, if the Lakers were able to continue that, um, continue that streak, I wouldn't be surprised, or I wouldn't have been surprised, if uh, if Anthony Davis was in, it was in the MVP conversation, because when you look at um, different metrics, Anthony Davis was a like a top three, top five player in the so far this season. That is crazy, considering Anthony Davis last year. I or shoot, two months ago I was ready to call him the fourth best power forward slash center in the NBA. 
I said for, we landed on fourth best power forward, fourth best power forward in the NBA. And I was like, God, if Anthony Davis doesn't get his shit together, that he's going to keep falling, falling, falling until eventually he's going to crumble. And by the grace of God, Anthony Davis, again, before the illness happened, you know, I think it was they officially labeled it flu-like symptoms. Before he got sick, goddamn this man, Anthony Davis is having like the one the was on the one of the best runs of his career. On of his career, I know it's you know it's a big bar to to raise because again NBA, uh, NBA champion, honestly you should have been Finals MVP, hella time All Star, top three MVP voting I believe twenty eighteen if the math uh, adds up. Um, this man is a genuine, like, wrecking machine. And, again, he's doing it on scoring and doing it rebounding. That was something that was I harped on Anthony Davis big time um, at the beginning of last year and the beginning of this year. I'm like, Anthony Davis is only averaging, what, seven, eight rebounds a game as a 6'11 center, let's be honest. In these last two seasons, he's absolutely been a center in the Lakers lineup, and it's only averaging seven rebounds. I understand Russell Westbrook may be taken away from that a little bit because he's a point guard that can rebound. But Steven Adams was still able to get uh, double-digit rebounds, even with Russell Westbrook. Um, in Houston, Click Capella was able to get his, at least you know before they traded him. And they basically had no other option but to run 6'5 dudes. Um, in Washington, granted, they didn't really have a, a, a big man that was like you know capable of doing it. But Thomas Robinson was still able to get his. Bradley Beal was able to get a few. Um, like there was a lot of, um, like it was, it was, it was a, it was a dark time in Lakers history when Anthony Davis was not good. Like he, when he was playing and was not good, it was a dark time. But now that he, like I said, he, this is like a rejuvenation year for Anthony Davis, and I'm so so fucking happy for him. Um, cause God, I, we, we as an NBA collective deserved to see Anthony Davis, um, finally succeed on a basketball court. Next from the Orlando magic, a few surprising jumps, honestly. And I, when, when I say surprising, I mean, like realistically did we think bowl bowl was going to have this season, this type of season, or was Jalen Suggs going to take a step up both on in numbers and the eye test? Doubt it. Did we think that um, I, we we mentioned as a collective in the NBA, in the NBA community that God it'd be cool if Orlando ran that big ass lineup on the floor. And sure enough, Orlando has run that big ass lineup on the floor with um, Franz. Was it um, Bol Bol? I forgot what the what the what I think it was, it was Franz Boncaro, Bol Bol, um, Wendell Carter, Mobamba. They they ran that lineup at one point, um and and shoot they can even run a more diverse lineup a big big ass lineup because Jonathan Isaac is now coming back um it just they just announced that they sent him to to Lakeland for the G, uh, to the G League team so he's going to be conditioning there for a few weeks and, and John and hopefully you know barring any setbacks Jonathan Isaac will be back and will he be able to run an even more versatile um. Big ass lineup for the Orlando Magic, and that's going to be an exceptional team to watch. 
even in losses, because they're going to be a team that's going to suffer a lot of losses because they're in a rebuild. God, it's going to be fun to see this team, like, win their series. It'll be fun. Like, I can't remember the last time it's been fun to see the Orlando Magic, but it's going to be fun. And, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a few of the vets on this team aren't here in two months from now. I'm looking directly at you, Terrence Ross. Honestly, I'm looking more directly at Gary Harris, but Terrence Ross, I can look at you too. Um, like there, you don't be surprised if, like I said, some of those guys are gone. But I also wouldn't be surprised if the return for those guys is like a James Wiseman, a Jonathan Kuminga, despite him being a lot better in the uh, in the last little stretch he he's been on. Um, if they bring back younger talent, that. It's the, the you know, hey, let's run these big-ass lineups on the floor. If they fit that mold for the Orlando Magic, God, I really, really want to see what this team is like in five years or whatever. I, I want to time travel to 2027 to see what they're like. Because that's going to be a fun, fun, fun rebuild to, to witness before our very eyes. Next, Dallas Mavericks. I put Luca dot 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 because that is the one redeeming quality about this team. Admittedly, Ter- uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has finally discovered that maybe he is a basketball player after all. Maybe you know, maybe he wants to be good again. Like, yeah, maybe maybe I might be a quality NBA player instead of a quantity NBA player. And would you look at that? The Mavericks have won games because they got a second dude that can score. I know it's a crazy concept where the Dallas Mavericks are a good basketball team because more than one guy can score the basketball. Luka didn't need to put up 40 for them to beat the Denver Nuggets. That is a crying ass shame. About fucking time. And I think, and again, you know, that might just be my own bias talking. But the Detroit Pistons exposed that. Where, yeah, Luka can put up 40, but we're not going to let nobody else beat us. Yeah, Luka, and, and would you look at that? The Detroit Pistons beat the Dallas Mavericks because Luka put up 40 and nobody else could create their own shot. Since then, they beat Golden State, shout out to Marley Jr. They beat um, the Knicks, shout out to Tim Hardaway Jr. They beat the Suns, shout out to Tim Hardaway Jr. And they beat the Mavericks, or beat the Nuggets, shout out to Tim Hardaway Jr. All since that the one um that one game where they finally decided like hey we're 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 gonna be a basketball team, not the Luka Doncic's. The the Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. Oh fuck it. My thing with the this um next one is the Brooklyn Nets. Um this one is like Probably one of the two that's like non basketball related. Um, I pray to God we're over the Kyrie Irving thing. I and that's what my positive is that hopefully that they're over the Kyrie Irving thing because I'm just tired of seeing the name Kyrie Irving down my timeline. Whether whether you give a shit or not, I don't. I told you a month ago that I didn't give a fuck, but I just hope to God we're over the Kyrie Irving off the court issue. 
And and again, none. I wouldn't say and these are not his fault. I'm not saying like. And when I say off the court issues, I don't mean like oh he's a locker room cancer or not. Like no, I'm not gonna be that fucking minute. Like come on now, let's be honest. But I just hope for the sake of humanity that we just want to see Kyrie Irving on the court as a basketball player. Because Kyrie Irving on the court as a basketball player is a 25-point-per-game score annually. Every year, you will see Kyrie Irving's averaging anywhere from 23 to 25 a game. And that, my friends, is awesome to see. But at the cost of it, it's Kyrie posted this on Twitter. Kyrie said the earth was flat. Kyrie thinks that the moon is not real. Kyrie, you know, pissed in his lunchbox. Like, why do I care? Let the man hoop. It's really not. Again, your personal preference ain't got shit to do with him on the court. If you want to have a conversation about anti-Semitism, uh, by all means. By, and when I make when I say this, when I say this, I I don't mean this in any disrespectful way at all. Because again, you know, as an African American, we don't tolerate racism whatsoever. Ever. If you were racist listening to this podcast, skidert your ass out of here. But at the end of the day. Even if Kyrie's an ass clown on Twitter, even if Kyrie does post some nut shit that does not make a goddamn lick of sense on this planet, that is Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving business only. Let the man. Anyways, now that that's over with, um, the Denver Nuggets. God, um, I'm happy that, that Jamal Murray is back, bro. And again. I can I can say this now that 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 Jamal Murray had a clutch clutch ass performance last night against Portland. That, by the way, like it's genuinely one of my favorite games so far this year. I feel like I tweet that every single day. <laughs> like, oh, such and such was um, one of my favorite games of the season so far. Um, the night before was Utah and Golden State, and I'm like, God, that game was such a banger. The night before was Dallas and Denver. It was like, God, that game was so. So so far. it was heart wrenching, bro. And it was like the night before it was like, oh god, oh my god, Kawhi. Like, bro, I'm happy Kawhi Leonard was back. Um, like literally every like day I'm tweeting like literally every day. Um, a new game that I, I'm I fuck with. Like I don't remember the 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 game before that. It might have been like it might have been like a heat game or something. I don't know, but like. I was like every day. I'm like, damn, like there's a new game. I'm like, oh god, this is like one of the best games of the year so far. And last night, Denver and Portland was that game for me. And it's like, the la- like, granted, I I came in in the second half because I was watching the tankathon of the Rockets and the Spurs, um, <laughs> which was funny by the way. Um, Denver and Portland, like I caught the second half. The second half, uh, Portland was up like fourteen or whatever. I don't, I don't even know. Um. But I was like, God, I can't any of these games be close. Because the Clippers and Heat didn't really feel like a, a a nail biter. It was just like, you know, basically it was them kind of trading buckets, but like realistically, you knew Miami was gonna you knew Miami was gonna win. Um 
the Rockets and the Spurs, again, it was a tank fest. Who, who was going to watch a tank fest? Let's keep it a buck. Denver and Portland. When, once I basically started watching and Denver went on that run, that is kind of what, like, I was really, like, really, really, like, invested in this game because it's like, I'm a huge Nikola Jokic guy, but I'm also a huge Damian Lillard guy. Like, I'm heavy on the Damian Lillard train. And that's kind of why I went on a undisclosed Portland Trailblazers rant last year, which, in hindsight, kind of looks dumb that they're, like, the best team out west. <laughs> so, um, or one of the best teams out west, I should say. Um, but on a serious note, um, the Denver Nuggets, like, genuinely, Jamal Murray coming back. And, again, I kind of noticed this. Um, it was a random game against OKC where it was, like, Jamal, Jamal Murray's first, like, true game back. Like, his first really good game post-injury. And I was like, man, Jamal Murray is back. Like, I'm so glad that we're getting Jamal Murray. And then he kind of went on a little bit of a stretch. It was like, one game against the Lakers, he was like, God, God awful. And I'm like, man, I need consistent Jamal Murray back. The last two minutes of this Blazers game was consistent Jamal Murray game. That was consistent Jamal Murray right there. Like, that, those are shots I, expect, I think Jamal Murray will hit in the next five to ten games. Just off of a hunch that I had. I think he has he has the uh, the ability to hit those five to ten um, the next five to ten games, same spot, same mannerisms, same dribble moves, same basically using the same bag to get there. Like I think he can he can um, quantify his his clutch baskets for the next five to ten games, and then we'll get true Jamal Murray back. Jamal Murray's been good. I will say that since uh, post injury, Jamal Murray has still been good. Still can get up there. Still can create his own shot. But I think he can he can uh, upgrade to another bag. Next for the Indiana Pacers. <sighs> this feels awesome to say, bro. It doesn't feel awesome to see because, you know, as a Pistons fan, you know the comparisons all the time. But I'm happy that Tyrese Halliburton is getting to run free like the wind. Like genuinely. Like I, we saw the playmaking prowess last year, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I think he can average with seven, eight assists this year. This man Tyrese Halliburton's trying to lead the Pacers to a, uh, a home court in the first round. Like he's been that good. And I'm again, it's it's cool. This is it's a double thing for me. Like it's good to see because like, damn, I really love Tyler, Tyrese Halliburton. I've loved him in college. Um, but it's also like, damn, he could be a piston right now. But we took Killian Hayes, which, again, we'll get to Killian Hayes in, in about five to ten minutes. And I'm like, damn, yeah, Killian Hayes has been really good recently. So we'll give Killian Hayes a shine, of course. Um, but, again, back to Tyrese Halliburton. Um, well, Tyrese is like it – it's not a forced 10.5 to 11 assists a game. Like, these are 11 assists that he's getting just in the offense. If we're talking about just, like, potential assists, forced assists, whatever, he's probably got maybe 17 assists a game at this point. If we want to talk about potential assists, I'm talking like if he's, you know, Russell Westbrook in 2017 where he's he's literally like handing the ball to Steven Adams in the paint to get an assist. Like, I feel like it, Tyrese Halliburton could do that on a dime because I think, you know, he's kind of got those same qualities, those same speed, same athleticism. He's just – he's um, 
he's got a mature game. He's like, you know, he likes to be low to the ground. But I think Tyrese Halliburton, I just call him Halliburton. I'm weak. Halliburton can get up there. It's just, you know, like I said, he he tries to play uh, a more, I guess you could say a more mature game. He can play, you know, like he's more of a, I guess you could say he's more of a Malcolm Brogdon than a John, a John Wall. Like he he's not, or I guess more of a Russ Westbrook. Like he, I'd say he's more more of a Malcolm Brogdon. He's he's, and again, I hate using the Chris Paul comparison because like, like a Chris Paul is like one of the greatest point guards of all time, but he does kind of play like a young Chris Paul in a way. But even young Chris Paul, like he had you know his moments where he kind of got up there, but. Tyrese, I think, is he's, he's on track to be the uh, a new Chris Paul, like where the point god exists. You know, a guy can average 11, 12 assists and it not be like a forced thing. He could just be a guy that's like high, so high IQ um, that it almost it's almost like second nature for him to find an open man or find the next man that's not the the primary target. Like he's I think he has that ability that very few point guards in the NBA possess. Like him it's him, Chris Paul, um, and obvious ones like LeBron James, um, Nikola Jokic at the center position. Like he there's very few guys that I think can make those passes. Tyrese Halliburton is in that upper echelon of people that can make that pass. I and soon, soon, soon I could um once he comes back from injury I could potentially put LaMelo Ball in that conversation as well. Um, next, New Orleans Pelicans. I'm so, so, so happy that we got a healthy Zion Williamson too, man. Like, him and Anthony Davis are like the two dudes. Is like, every time I see him on the floor, I, I, I even just running makes me cringe because I'm like, one small turn and then dudes is going to be hurt for the rest of the season. And... So far this season, you know, like I said, knock on wood, they haven't had a serious injury that's kept that's going to keep them out long term. Thank God. Um, it, you know, Zion was out for a few games with, I believe, a, a knee injury, and uh, um, AD was out, I believe, with a back, um, back injury. Um, but like, oh no, it was a, a groin injury. My bad. It was a, uh, he had a groin injury. But um, anyways, um, with Zion, it's like. Um, it's it's not like Zion's putting up thirty five and it's like oh he's he's the runaway MVP, but it's like Zion is making the right play. He's making these Zion Williams at right plays. He's yes, he's got the fifty inch verticals. It's like yeah, damn, he can get up there. But it's also like oh shit, Zion Williamson just made a good pass, or oh Zion Williamson he took the right shot in the moment. It's like he's Zion Williamson is a very um self observant player. I'll say that. Like he he knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses. He knows he's not a great shooter. He's a he's solid shooter, I'd say. He knows he's not a great shooter. So he uses his six uh six six, two ninety, two eighty-five frame to get to the basket. And I think that's kind of what um is like very that's something that very again, very few players possess. And I think as he gets older, he's gonna, you know, get a lot better at it. Um, and that's going to make him an even more lethal player, which, God, it's hard to even make a more lethal player these days than Zion Williamson currently. Um, and what's, it's a shame that I say that because the, the shiny new toy object, uh, shiny uh, object syndrome 
kicked in with the media. Zion Williamson was the talk of the town in 2019. 2022, you don't hear a peep about him. And that's a damn shame because the Pelicans are the best team in the West right now. After uh, beating Detroit a couple days ago. They're the best team in the West. And you don't hear a peep about it because Zion Williams is not the new, uh, new kid. He's not the, the guy on the block. Really, what's crazy is that nobody from the 2022 class is the guy on the block anymore. Like, you don't see, like, a, um, a Lamello, a House of Lamello or houses or ESPN Zion or nothing, nothing like that no more. Um, like, Chet Holmgren is injured. I feel like Chet Holmgren probably would have been the guy if, uh, if he didn't get hurt. Paolo Boncaro, I'm surprised he's not been the guy um, to take that torch. Like, overall, like, this class doesn't have it. Obviously, last year, the guy was – or really, the last year the guy looked they really it kind of it kind of got a little bit overboard with Jalen Green a little bit, but I think Jalen Green towards the end of the year kind of deserved it. Um, but anyways, back to the conversation. Um, but yeah, Zion Williamson has been one hell of a player so far this year, and I'm like, he's going to be an All Star. I literally had this conversation in, in a um, in a watch party earlier. I was like, or not early, but uh, this was during the. Which game was it Wednesday? We watched like six games on Wednesday. I don't remember which game we were watching. But we had the conversation of um, who was going to be in the – like what was the All-Stars going to look like? And I – oh, it was the Lakers and Raptors because we were talking about Anthony Davis. Um, And I was like, the West seems like a lot to me, like for some reason. No, it, no, it wasn't even the West. It was the East. The East was like a crazy lock for me already. Um, the Eastern backcourt was, uh, was, it was, uh, Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown. And, and again, when I say starters, I mean, like, I don't think like the fans are going to, like the fans probably aren't, they're probably going to vote Trey Young over Donovan Mitchell. I don't know. Just don't think just something stupid. But we said, I said Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brown, um, in the front court would be Jason Tatum, Giannis, and I forgot who I said my third front court guy was. Um, damn, who was it? We like I said, we we literally talked about this in the watch party. I don't remember. God, it was Jason Tatum, Giannis. We're gonna sit here on this live on this podcast. We're gonna we're gonna sit here and think who was the guy that in my head was gonna be the third front court guy in these. Um, because like. <sighs> I don't, I genuinely, like, bro, my memory's so bad. This was not even two days ago. This was literally Wednesday night we were talking about this. And I already have forgotten who my third front court guy was. Um, uh, uh, was it was it Jimmy Butler? I don't think it was Jimmy Butler. Um, and anyways, back to the conversation. Um, oh, it was, no, it was Julius Randle. And I was like, and... <laughs> You know, again, again, I'll give you a, give you a reason why. Because again, the East big men are lacking, and when I, and the reason I didn't give it to Joel Embiid is because I thought Joel Embiid, like I said, Joel Embiid wasn't hadn't played enough. Like I hadn't really seen the whole. Like Joel Embiid absolutely would be the third starter in 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 hind, like in hindsight, like when you think about it, Joel Embiid absolutely would be the third starter. But Julius Randle, I think, um, a the step back season. Like he's, this is an all star season from Julius Randle, and B. Or I, I said step back, bounce back season. Um, and B, like literally nobody else in the East. Like when you go team by team, 
obviously Philly, we mentioned Joel Embiid. Milwaukee, we mentioned Giannis. And like Brook Lopez, I think it would be a fringe guy, like somebody that would probably be in like the reserve spot or, or was the the I don't know. I I call it a utility spot, but realistically, he'll be like one of the last two guys in the Eastern Conference. Um, Chicago, I don't see a whole lot of of anybody from the Bulls making an All Star team. Maybe Zach. Um, editor say here. Um, Kevin Durant actually was the last. The, the, I, we I had literally had to call the boys because I'm like. Julius Randle didn't seem right. And I was like, who was the third guy? Um, but it was Kevin Durant. Anyway, back to the podcast. Um, but yeah, um, the Western Conference was a little bit of a conversation, though, because I'm like, realistically, the backcourt's locked up. It's Steph and Luka. Um, you can kind of get a, a hint at what the Western Conference start uh, front court would look like. Like Anthony Davis, I think, would it would be the one lock in the Western Conference right now um, in terms of front court. Um, maybe LeBron, like just pure off a of pure fan vote. But like I said, I haven't seen a whole lot of, of LeBron to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm gonna consider him an All Star. I'm gonna just lock him in as a starter. And then I also said the Lakers is like the tenth, eleventh seed in the Western Conference. Why the hell do they need two starters in All Star game? But regardless, um, if we go through the now, you know what's crazy? I didn't even think about it till now. One of Luka Doncic, Steph Curry, or John Morant is going to be. Is not going to be a starter in the All Star game, and that is a crying ass shame to me. That is crazy. Um, but anyways, Utah, the lawyer marketing trade, trade, uh, train, I think has sailed at this point. Maybe a bench guy, maybe like a reserve or whatever. But like realistically, I think that ship has sailed. Um, Kings, Sabonis, Demonte Sabonis has been good this year, and I think could make a push for the All Star team. Um, but uh, the Kings going to have to like. To separate themselves somehow from the Western Conference pack, I think that 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 pack is a little too tight for them to be like crazy con, uh, considered for a lot starter in the All Star game. Um, Denver and Nikola Jokic is always going to be in that conversation. I think he's taking a little bit of a step back, you know, popularity wise, due to the fact that you know he's not an MVP candidate this year. Which honestly, the numbers back that he should be. But like I think it's more voters fatigue at this point. Um, Pelican Zion Williamson is absolutely going to be in that conversation for me. Um, Zion Zion and AD starting is kind of funny too. But I think uh, we're not okay. Well, by also by the way, I had this conversation um, earlier. It was like, yeah, no, it's not because somebody was like. You know it's not West versus East anymore, right? And I'm like, yeah, I know, but there still needs to be five Western Conference and five Eastern Conference guys. And for some reason, that that uh situation blew people's minds. I'm like, yeah, like that's still a thing. Like five West and five East guys are still they're just not it's not Western Conference versus Eastern Conference anymore. It's just yeah, it's tw- or I guess it's now the twelve, thirteen. Western Conference players and 12, 12 to 13 Eastern Conference players jumbled up together, basically. Like, you know, there's there are going to be a decent amount of guys from the West and a decent amount of guys in the East still playing together. But anyways, you know, back to the conversation. Um, It was, I forget, it was Zion 80. And I don't remember who else it was out West. It, I, I, it wasn't LeBron. I, I'll say that. It literally was not LeBron. I don't remember who my third front court guy in the West was. Shea Gilgis-Alexander 100% should be an all-star this year, too, by the way. Um, I don't remember. 
Anyways, we'll get back to the, like I said, we'll get back to the conversation. But anyways, basically, we talked about our all-star team. And we had to think about it. It's like, yeah, Zion is 100% the starter this year, ain't he? And it was like, that, like, that was the conversation. Like, Zion has to be a starter, right? And it's like, that kind of just sparked its own debate. But, you know, like I said. And that took up, what, 10 minutes of the show. My bad, y'all. Y'all, if y'all, if y'all listen to all of that part, God, I love y'all so much. Um, Anyways, Pistons. Killian Hayes finally being, like, good. Like, a passable NBA player. Like, that's, that, and again, I would like to preference this by saying, I was one of the last three people to listen, or to still defend Killian Hayes. Me, shout out to Pistons Palace, by the way, and um, I can't remember the third dude, or uh, Cade with some kill on Twitter. Shout out to him, too. We were like the last three people that were still Killian Hayes believers. And my God, do I look smart now. Like, and again, people said I was crazy that Killian Hayes would be a, a most improved candidate before uh, Anthony Edwards. And people laughed at me. Granted, you know, I had Jalen McDaniels. This is whatever. Um, but God, um, Killian Hayes. And again, it's not just a statistical improvement. The eye test is there with Killian Hayes for two reasons. Number one, the shot looks so much better. I don't want Kate Cunningham to learn how to shoot the ball from Killian Hayes now that I'm thinking about it. Um, but on a, like, on a serious note, on a serious note, um, Killian, like I said, Killian Hayes, the shot looking better, um, more, making more crisp decisions. He had one pass in the, uh, in the Pelicans game that, like towards the end, where it's like it didn't, it looked like an old Killing Hayes pass. We'll say that it it wasn't like on target. It kind of looked sloppy a little bit. Admittedly, like I said, it's killing. It's you know, take your wins with your losses. Like, like you know, he's not going to be perfect every single game. But I'm so glad that he's so much better than he was in the first two years. Because again, I I almost again I was very, very close, very very close. To hopping off the wagon. I was really, really close. I'll admit that. I was very close. The first five-ish games of the season, I'm like, God, Killian Hayes looks like shit. And then once K Cunningham went down, I was ready to sell my fandom, my uh, Pistons fandom on eBay. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, But thank heavens Killian Hayes looked like a passable NBA player. Because I don't think I would be able to tolerate watching another Pistons game if that was the case, bro. Um, <laughs> but on a, on a dead-ass serious note. Um, I think so. Killing his being a genuine, like improved player, I wouldn't say most improved, but an improved player, thinks uh is very is a very promising thing in Detroit. So now that now that they have options for the next to the Toronto Raptors, um, oh it's OG Ananobi. But my overall statement here is like. It's crazy that a guy that's in their, their like their sixth season, I'm specifically talking about Ogi Ananobi, can be like can still get better. Like Ogi Ananobi was already a great defender. Let's be honest. Like, but now, and again, it was already a solid offensive threat at least when he got the touches. He's putting it all together now, and that um, it it helps that or I wouldn't say helps. More hides the fact that Scotty Barnes has not really taken a step this year, and 
I see people, you know, little lingerings that like maybe it's the injury or or maybe it's just, you know, that's just who he is as a player. Um I'm not ready to judge just yet. Like granted, we're a third into the season, so it's about time we should judge. But like overall, like I think I think though they don't necessarily need at least not right now. Again, specifically as of December 9th, 2022, they don't necessarily need Scotty to take that star jump just yet, or even just all star jump. Just let him be comfortable. And I think so far he looks comfortable. Is he good? Yes, I'll say good. Um, is he great? No, but I'd say he's been good. Um, but like I said, you don't need him to take that star jump when you still have Pascal producing at a quality rate. OG Ananobi, we just mentioned, taking a hell of a jump. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is still shooting the lights out of the basketball. Fred Van Vliet still getting his numbers. And they have depth now. Delano Banton is in another year of, of development with him. That he's young has been in and out of the rotation, but when he's been in, he's been on. Otto Porter, wonderful addition for, for him. Chris uh, Boucher has had his moments. Kim Birch has had his moments. David Johnson's had his moments. Everybody on the Raptors team has had their moment one way or another. Um so far this year, and it's been, again, it's been a welcome surprise considering, you know, we was not going to get this Toronto Raptors team two years ago. Two years ago, this team would have been in the fucking depths because they're playing ha- – half their team is is not from their G League development. We'll put it that way. Um, Next for the Houston Rockets, um, these next two ent- entrants are specifically going to be Victor Womanyama. Um, related, really, three of the next four. <laughs> um, if I'm being completely honest with you, I only okay, a less on the OKC side, but very much heavy on the Rockets' Spurs side. Um, Jalen Green being better? Question mark. Um, is literally how I got it titled. This is this is the Victor Wembanyama tank if I ever seen. Honestly, it's really the Rockets and the Spurs. They're legit the two teams that have tanked the hardest this season. Like, the Pistons, they've lost a bunch of close games. And, again, some of them have been inept coaching. Some of them have been, yeah, we're genuinely t- trying to tank. Um, But, God, have we been treated to some of the worst basketball, specifically from the Spurs, but also from the Houston Rockets. And uh, last night kind of proved that a little bit. Whereas, like, the Spurs, they had a hot hand in Kelvin Johnson. Boom. We're going to rest him and play um, Keita Bates-Diop and Blake Wesley and Malachi Brandon, who was solid last night, to be fair, um, in the minutes that he got. I like Malachi Brandon last night. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, we barely are going to play these, the, the good players on our team. San Antonio ticket prices are probably through the goddamn roof. And we're sub, uh, we're basically being forced to watch, like, um, like I said, Blake Wesley, like I brand him, Doug McDermott, who in the third quarter, Doug McDermott turned into 20, uh, was it 2013? Doug McDermott, he was like one of the best shooters in the country in college. Like, it, we, it was that show from the San Antonio Spurs. Like, it was like, God, the Spurs are going to really play tanking basketball. But no, Doug McDermott caught fire, and essentially that's what got them the lead in the third quarter was Doug McDermott, I believe, hit a couple of threes. Um, Charles Bassey, I think, got an and one. Zay Roby had uh, a couple of um, 
offensive rebounds or a, a offensive rebound that led to, I believe, a Trey Jones three-pointer. If I wanna, if I got it uh, in my head, I believe it was a Trey Jones three-pointer. Um, like the Spurs kind of went on a run where it's like, oh man, they actually are good, and it's like. The Spurs are very much looking to be a, a deadline team. Like, Josh Richardson's gone to the deadline. Doug McDermott's probably gone to the deadline. Yaka Pardo almost seems certain that he's gone at the deadline. Um, Maybe attached to a Romeo Langford or a Zay Roby. But for the most part, I can see that this team is, at the very least, they're tanking with a purpose. And it's to mix in the vets with the young guys and kind of get them acclimated to potential winning basketball, which they showed last night. Now on the Houston Rockets side, oh baby, um, shout out to Jabari Smith Jr. had a twenty point game last night, but the Rockets for a young team they are extremely boring to watch. And when I say boring, I mean like. I couldn't give less of a shit about the Houston Rockets until Boban Marjanovic got in the game. I'm going to be honest with you. Until we got to see Bobby, I hated this Rockets game. Like, the, the team in general, I should say. Like, last night, they looked bad. And again, like I said, young teams are supposed to. But you're supposed to look bad with an end goal. I don't think this Rockets team necessarily has an end goal with how bad they are. Is it Victor? Is it is it School Henderson potentially? Like, I need I need answers from the Rockets because, like I said, seven and eighteen looks good on paper until you realize those that seven and eighteen don't necessarily show how bad they are because it's that's the zero one twenty five bad right. Anyways, next Phoenix Suns. Um, it looks like DeAndre Ayton cares again. About um the the organization like he and again this does not um this does definitely does not age well after if you hear that squeak in the background my bad that's my time. I need to uh I need to refurbish it but anyways um it's it does not hold up after the horrendous ass game that the Suns played uh on Wednesday against the Celtics but um overall like before that DeAndre Eaton looked like he had was having whole lot of fun playing basketball again, which that's all I really wanted to see. I know he wanted to be in Indiana and get basically spoon-fed to death by. <laughs> I said that like a, like a snarky way. But being basically being spoon-fed by Tyrese Halliburton, which shit, I would too. You get to play with, uh, go from young Chris Paul to, or sorry, old Chris Paul to young Chris Paul. So um, on a dead note there, um, I really, really, really want to uh, – like I, I wanted this to DeAndre Aiden to continue. Like not not Celtics DeAndre Aiden, but like Dallas DeAndre Aiden and uh San Antonio DeAndre Aiden. Like I want I want to see Detroit DeAndre Aiden, um Utah. Like I want to see that DeAndre Aiden times a hundred with effort. Like I I want to see that version of DeAndre Aiden, not just oh well like you said he's a solid back to the basket guy. Um. He can catch it in the pick and roll, but that's about it. No, like, I want dominant DeAndre Ayton back. And if we once we get that DeAndre Ayton, I think the Spurs, or so the Suns will be 
a whole hell of a lot better than uh what their what that last performance was because oh boy that that was a show for sure that was a a a thing that existed and that's about as good as I could put it without sounding negative because we're about I told you we're a positivity podcast I told you we are a positivity podcast we saw that you saw you heard that year in review we are positive we are growing we are exemplary exemplary there it is next with the OKC Thunder Shea Gilgis Alexander looking like a true number one and again I will preface this by saying I'm grasping at straws here because the Thunder are the Thunder are probably the most bad ass backwards teams in the NBA. Like <laughs> it's not even a joke. And again, they're supposed to be ass backwards. They're a rebuilding team. But they go from a hell of a comeback against the Minnesota Timberwolves to a hell of a performance against the Atlanta Hawks to losing to the Grizzlies by 20. There is no in-between. They're either losing by 20 or they getting quality win after quality win. Because very few games this year, um, I could specifically point the Pelicans game, but very few games this year, they have had close, like a close game. They, you know, losing to the Rockets by 13, which, which realistically was like a 30-point game. Um, they had a couple, uh, a double-digit loss to the Knicks, multiple double-digit losses to the Grizzlies. They had a double-digit win against the Knicks, double-digit loss to the Raptors, um, basically a double-digit loss to the Pistons. Like, they have been a very double-digit loss to the Bucks, double-digit loss to the Nuggets we just covered. Um, they, they've had very few close games this year, and I think that's going to be something to watch out for in the near future, specifically with, uh, with how much young talent they have. It's like, besides Shea, who's going to close? Who's going to be the second guy next to him? Is Josh Giddy going to be it? I don't, like, he's so far, I like, I think he's more a playmaker long term. Um, But there's plenty of talent left in this pool to where, God, they can, they can look any sort of direction to um, find a quality um, find a quality second option. Whether again, whether if it's in this draft, whether if it was just in this past draft, which at Holmgren, whoever it is, they got a good number one in Shea Gilgis Alexander. Next, Minnesota Timberwolves. Dot 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 dot. Again, zero redeeming qualities about this franchise. <laughs> um. Thank God Rudy Gobert had a good game on against the Pacers because if they had lost to the Pacers, this would have been an, a Timberwolves trade episode. And I'm not even joking when I say that. This would have been a Timberwolves trade idea episode because, God damn, Timberwolves suck before this game. Um, shout out to D'Angelo Russell having by far his best game of the season against the Pacers, by the way. Um, but... In thank like heavenly, this team is bad. And again, if they didn't get off to such a crazy start in the first quarter, they might have lost at the Pacers here. Like, and when I say crazy start, I mean the Pacers shooting got off from the field in the first quarter. I think it was like somewhere in the in the region of like twenty something percent. But like, 
if it wasn't for that first quarter debacle of the Indiana Pacers, they probably would have lost, and I probably would have been making a Timberwolves trade episode. It's the second podcast of the day, and not a one one negative from every NBA team. Um, but thank God Rudy Gobert is him. <laughs> when I say, and that's a statement and a half right there. Like, yeah, we had what a he had two clutch free throws. He had two blocks in the fourth in the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, and essentially. Like he's iced the game because again, those two blocks and the two free throws, those accounted for a six point difference from the Timberwolves, basically. And they one ended up winning by six. So it's like they he was the direct cause of the winning because God, they need something post um Carl Anthony Towns injury. Cause like I said, it's not looking bright. Like that OKC game. Um, that Wizards game where Cat got hurt, the Warriors game, that Hornets game, those were games where it's like, ugh, like th- those were bad games to watch. From on, if you were a Timberwolves fan, shout out to Tyler, um, you are. It was a more than, um, more than like not a good viewing experience. Experience, I will say that. Um, they Rudy Gobert returns to, to Utah tonight, so we'll see how he plays then. And then uh, they got Portland twice, Clippers, Thunder, Bulls, Mavericks, Mavericks again. Um, Celtics, and then they got the Heat day after Christmas. Basically, the rest of the year is, um, and then the Pelicans and the Bucks. So they got a crazy ex- ex- uh, schedule, come to think about it. And then New Year's Eve, they play at the Pistons, which they could take the night off there, to be honest with you. Um but on a on, again on a smaller scale, like yeah, they're not. I wouldn't say like, this team is still probably a playoff team. I'll say that, but they have way too many scares like this against Indiana, um, against Miami, against Philly, where like you said, they got way too many scary ass games here. Cleveland, um, like where they honestly should have lost a few of these. But they luck their ways out of win. Um, when, oh shoot. Um, we're talking about the Grizzlies twice. Um, not gonna say twice. No, it was only once. They uh, lost this game to the Grizzlies. But for the vast majority, it's been yeah. And again, again, shout out to D'Angelo Russell for having that bounce back game because again, those Timberwolves trade ideas. We're going to start with D'Angelo Russell. I'm just gonna let you know that now. Before we make any sort of judgment call, those trade ideas would have been for D'Angelo Russell. Granted, I don't know where you're going to get a, a trade idea, <clears throat> Lakers. Um, <laughs> God, I can hear the snarkiness now in a lot of people's comments. But um, honestly, yeah, on a dead serious note, God, can we please get a consistent Timberwolves game from everybody? I want a game where everybody's off going off for the Timberwolves. No bullshit. Next, Portland Trailblazers. Again, I usually like to make public apologies or to ask for people to give me public apologies because I like to be right and I also love to be wrong because I want to show that I'm not perfect when it comes to this basketball thing, no matter how much uh, people tell me I am. I like to make a public apology to the Portland Trailblazers organization and their fan base for saying that, holy shit, your uh, GM was inept and... Just downright terrible. Well, 
Portland Trailblazers is good. And if it wasn't for Jamal Murray's shot last night, probably would have had another win on the board. I'm glad that Damian Lillard's back. Um, unfortunately, like there's uh, a, a again an even tighter long jam in the in the Western Conference after last night's games. Um, currently the AC, but they're only three and a half back of the first seed. So like like I said, the log jam is real in the West. Um, it is really a shame though that like Portland, they don't really have a whole lot of wiggle room to make moves. Like eventually we'll get Gary Payton the second back, but like, or let's say we, I'm not a Blazers fan. Um, but like the backup center role, shoot the starting center role. Like Drew Eubanks is quietly better than Yusuf Nurkic, and Yusuf Nurkic was essentially food to everybody last night in the fourth quarter. Nikola Jokic was killing them. Jamal Murray killed them. Bruce Brown uh, killed them. Like everybody on the Nuggets went directly at Yusuf Nurkic, and it's like Nurkic wasn't this bad two years, like three years ago, I should say. Um. Was it the injury that kind of killed him? Because, like, he was not good last year at all. Granted, nobody on the Blazers were besides Anthony Simons. Um, but, like, Yusuf Nurkis was not this bad. Just, like, you know, back when he, before he got paid. Like, I don't think the paycheck, He I don't think he's being lazy because he's getting paid now. But I would never make that assumption about him. But, like, the last couple of years, he has looked incredibly poor offensively and defensively like he's essentially like an unathletic Clint Capella these days and I you know take that as what you will but like y'all ain't gonna sign no depth like Drew again Drew Eubanks I think has been a very underrated piece for them in a similar vein to like Isaiah Hartenstein with the Knicks I think he's been in that same kind of role with the Blazers, where he's like a Swiss Army knife. He can score, or he can, you know, score in the paint. He can rebound. He can play make. He can be and play a little defense. I think he can step out and hit a mid range jumper. Like, I think Drew Eubanks has been a pretty, pretty solid pickup from the uh, or solid uh, resign from the Portland Trail Blazers this year. But like, I'm not gonna pick up Boogie as like an emergency guy, <laughs> or like, um. Maybe like a Lamarcus Aldridge legacy tour, just something. Just pick up another guy. That granted, I don't think um either are going to help in the way that Yusuf Nurkic is hurting them right now. Like neither are obviously defensive options. But it's like if Yusuf Nurkic is playing like as bad as he's been, like at least eye test wise, numbers wise, I think Yusuf Nurkic has not been bad this year. But eye test wise, Yusuf Nurkic is. Like, like, just, it's very, how do I want to put it without sounding like an ass right now? Because I already sound like an ass, but I, I don't want, I don't want to sound like an even bigger one. Like, I think, like, the prime of Yusuf Nurkic has passed. And again, maybe, again, maybe that's just me talking, but like, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it don't, it does not look right so far in Portland. Um, next, Golden State Warriors. One positive from the Portland uh, from the Golden State Warriors is that they probably have the best starting five in basketball <laughs> because um, the young guys. Granted, they probably should. One free throw changed everything. 
one free throw changed it all in Golden State. Really, one pass changed it all, but one one free throw changed it all in Golden State. From Golden State beating Utah, Utah beating Golden State. Um, again, shorthanded, but how many more of these collapses on the road that the Warriors are gonna have before it 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 becomes an issue? Like I tweeted the other day, the Warriors better pray that they luck out in a top four seed in this jam packed Western Conference because if they're five through eight, you could put a fork in them. Winning on the road is going to be expeditiously difficult for them if they're not a top four seed. Because the top four seed, shoot, they can just luck out and win four home games, at least in the first round. But, like, if they're five through eight, they got to go to Memphis or they got to go to Dallas, which, granted, they they won in Dallas twice last year, actually. Um, Oh, no, they only won one in Dallas, driven. They got to go to Denver. They got to go to um, New Orleans. Like, that's that's a difficult task for them, considering they've lost in Orlando. They've lost in Detroit. Like, they have bad road losses on their schedule this year already, and we're, again, a third into the season. And they're only going to get worse. You're going to have to play a lot of these top teams at, on the road. You're going to have to play a Milwaukee. You're going to have to play a Boston. You're going to have to play a Philly. You're going to have to play these teams in the West, or sorry, in the East and in the West, for that matter, in their buildings, and you're going to have to execute. And, again, whether if you have Steph Curry, you have a Clay Thompson, you have an Andrew Wiggins, you have a Jeremiah Green, we'll play play a plate, but we'll get an example. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have those three, you're going to have to execute because realistically, one of those dudes is going to be injured come playoff time because they were all healthy last year. One of those dudes is going to be hurt. I pray to God it ain't Steph because, like, you know, stars make the playoffs. But, like, you know, knock on wood, and Andrew Wiggins goes down, boom. That's like your second best player last year. Really, you're still your second best player if we're keeping it a buck. Your second best player just went down. How do you respond? Enough said. And last but not least, the Washington Wizards. The resurgence of Chris Dabbs for Zingas, I think, has been one hell of a joy to uh, to see witness to see live. Chris Dabbs, I think, is playing like All Star Chris Dabbs for Zingas, which is crazy to me because last year when I thought he got traded, I was like, oh, he's gonna phone it in for a year and he's gonna be like a role player. Which it sounds crazy to say that Chris Dabbs for Zingas is going to be a role player, but I think. Uh, I genuinely thought that Chris Dabbs was going to be a role player. Like, I have in my notes Chris Dabbs Porzingis and Kyle Kuzma, but Kyle Kuzma was pretty good last year, so I, I will give that a slot. But Chris Dabbs Porzingis, I thought, genuinely has been a a revelation. In, again, those are two words that's coming up. Bleak and revelation. Watch this. I have to uh, expose my vocabulary a little bit. Um, Explore my vocabulary, I should say. God, I can't talk today, bro. I'm tired. I'm genuinely tired today, bro. <laughs> well, on a serious note, like, because that, like, you know, it kind of shined a little bit in the Timberwolves game. But overall this season, Chris Dabbs has been 
like the the top. He's basically been the Wizards' best player, and you know they're still in competition for again. Everything's so tight right now in in, in both conferences. Where it's like, yeah, the Wizards are like an 11 seed. But they're not a bad team. They're just you know that's just where they're placed in the standings, which is perfectly fine. They're still better than Chicago, Detroit, Charlotte, um, Orlando, etc. Their second best team in their division really could be the best team in their division, which is sad because, look, um, but yeah, like genuinely, I think well, Atlanta, so maybe not the best team in their division, but um, still, tired, tired. It's this this shot. You can hear that this. You can see that this show is going on for way too fucking long. I'm sorry, y'all, for yawning, 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 but I'm tired. But on on a dead serious note, Chris, I think is going to be uh, a key piece of this Wizards team, and probably should be an All Star this year. And hopefully that becomes the case. <sighs> Thank God. I know y'all. I did not expect this show to go as long as it did. It is like eleven o'clock, eleven thirty here in the <laughs> in the recording of this show. So please, if you Made it till the end of this show, or God, if you skipped like a good hour or so, so in the show, I do not blame you whatsoever. <laughs> God, y'all, dog, I've never cussed this much in the show. A, because I'm tired, and B, because it's way too long. I'm annoyed at the fact that this show has gone on for two, almost two hours. Honestly, I'm not surprised at the end of this is probably over two hours. But if you missed, if sorry, if you made it to the end of this show, please drop a like, drop a review, drop a comment, drop a share, wherever. Helps the show grow to as many human beings as humanly possible. And, of course, you can check me out at Spotify, of course, on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon Music. And, of course, right here on Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. And let's love each other, man. God, Lee, goodbye. And I will see you later. And by later, I mean when you're when you're listening to this, you'll you'll probably see it uh posted. See?